Today I'm uh, starting a quite a large series, which will last two weeks, <laughs> on the family. Now I'm sure you'll be surprised that I would be speaking on the family given what Lynn and I do. But uh, we're going to spend these two weeks just looking at the family from various points of view. But today, I want to have a look at not only our biological families, but also our church family and how the two interact. Now, as most of you know, Lynn and I have been involved with a Bible-based parenting ministry called Growing Families for about 15 years. We were on the road with a caravan for over five years, taking this ministry around Australia speaking in churches, conducting seminars and running classes, all of which were to help and encourage mums and dads in their parenting. We covered parents of all ages of children, from pre-birth to teenage, and a number of our families here in our church have done some of this training. Why do we do it? When we decided to see Australia in our retirement, God challenged us to take this ministry with us, and so we did. In five years, we'd never got any further west than the Stewart Highway. We haven't converted Western Australia yet. We're still doing it, and just more locally at the moment, but as you saw in the announcements, we are commencing a class here next month called Parenting from the Tree of Life, and I'll mention more about this later. Our ministry emphasises not only the importance of building our families around God and his word, but also the important role the church plays in family life. God instituted the family when he created Adam and Eve, and the Bible talks a lot about families. Not only parents, but grandparents, so that they can pass on the knowledge of God from generation to generation so while I'm using the term parent this morning, doesn't absolve you grandparents. It also includes all generations of parents. So I trust as we listen to this this morning uh, that you will feel the Holy Spirit talking to each of you uh, with a view to seeing what and how you can do. Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning to open your word and to consider this very vital topic in our world today of families and how we can bring families up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us this morning. Challenge us in whatever way you feel we need to be challenged and may we be, be prepared to do whatever you call us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> God ordained two institutions for the express purpose of communicating to each subsequent generation the knowledge of himself. These are the family and the church. In the family, the process is called parenting. And in the church, it's called discipleship. Desperate parents these days tend to look in all the wrong places for help. I'm sure you all agree with that. Today we live in a society that is fundamentally hostile toward Christian values and the Christian family. 
Concerned parents who want to raise good children and virtually are virtually at war with their community. They must fight against television, pornography, drugs, premarital sex, crude public advertising, little regard for moral values and little respect for authority and negative peer pressure. Parents are groping for guidance. They doubt their ability to parent effectively and as a result they parent without conviction and also with fear. What does the future hold for our children? This is partly due to the fact that varying textbook theories have replaced the Titus II, fathers and mothers in the church. Paul in his letter to Titus wrote, As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honours God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticised. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. That's quite a challenge. Titus 2 is something that we refer to quite often in our ministry, but it's what the Bible has to say about how we should be living our lives. If the church offers no alternative to the secular community, then desperate parents seeking relief will turn to all the wrong places for help. Can we expect secular minds to teach our children the values that reflect the holiness of God? Will they better teach our children the commandment to honour their father and mother or to, live their uh, sorry, to love their neighbours as themselves? Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to those commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The secular world is not the place if we want teaching, the correct teaching for our children, if we want godly teaching. Families are the nurseries of both the church and the state, but whose hand is rocking the cradle? It best be dad and mum who are members of the community of faith. It's a challenge to us as parents that if we want to bring our families up in the right way 
and to love the Lord and give our children the opportunity of making that decision for themselves, then we as parents have to be in that position ourselves. Our hearts must be right. We must be challenged by God and we must have accepted Jesus as our saviour as well. It's the church's responsibility to make every parent a good theologian. Now, I'm sure you've never thought of, most, most of you have never thought of yourselves as theologians, but actually you are. And in the Bible, we will read several places where we are asked to do that. One of the primary duties of the church, however, is to feed the people of God with the whole counsel of God. Theology works best when all Christians, not just professional theologians, are involved in it. The most significant group of theologians in the world are mums and dads who have the inexpressible privilege of teaching great truths about God to their children. Every Christian parent is a theologian because every child of God entered the kingdom on the basis of certain truths he understood about God. If you think about it in a very unique and important sense, Christian parents not only have a theology because they are God's children, they teach theology every day because they have children. It was not enough for men and women of Israel to know that the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6 again. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. Moses commanded them to instruct their children diligently about God as they too would grow to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul and strength. Good theology must lead to practice. After all, good theology, if it is not fleshed out every day, rubber meets the road kind of stuff, it is just that good theology and nothing more. At some point our theology must express itself in practice. Without sound practice we become hearers of the word and not doers and only deceive ourselves. James 1.22 says, But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. Parenting is theology in practice. Consider how these biblical doctrines work out in the family. Grace, justice, mercy, authority, kindness, long-suffering, honesty, integrity, discernment, wisdom and foolishness, to name a few. The fact is that you cannot teach parenting without teaching theology. Who better direct these, to direct these paths uh, to mum and dads than the church. The church has an obligation to support parents and support families in every way possible. We live in a quick fix society. Unfortunately, couples too often want a quick fix to their long-term parenting problems. We in the church do a disservice to our people if all we offer are short-term solutions for long-term problems. Without a program of comprehensive parent discipleship, that is exactly what we do. We are only offering a band-aid to mask the problem, not to fix it. I think we've all been part of church services highlighting the importance of the family. 
Maybe it was a weekend parenting conference or a month's worth of marriage enrichment teaching. Most congregations appreciate what they heard, but they do not appropriate it. Appropriation comes through ongoing discipleship. Without discipleship, there is no back pressure to, to learn. Why? Because there is no one holding the individual accountable for change. Any serious change in lives must come the old-fashioned way, the way Jesus did it through discipleship. Biblical parenting is a remedy to spiritual apostasy. And for those of you that are not sure about that word, apostasy means the abandonment or the renunciation of a religion. In Genesis 12, uh, the, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be bless a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God called out a people to himself through whom he would bless the world. God's kingdom ebbs and flows as God's children trust him and live in obedience to the laws. Though the economy of God's redemptive plan has changed with the establishment of the church, God is still raising up a people who will love him supremely. In Psalm 78, we find that parenting is a key to trust in and be in obedience to God. Verses 5 and 7 say, he, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the child yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children so they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but would keep his commands. Trust and obedience increase and apostasy declines as fathers and mothers tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, the power and the wonders of what he has done. Where God-centred parenting falls, sorry, where God-centred parenting fails, rebellion in the coming generations is certain. Kingdom-building churches should be, indeed must be, parent-building churches. A needy world out there is still watching us. When God's values dwell richly in our church families, the world takes notice. A desperate society will still be viewing the Christian message long after it stops listening to our message. Can you see why this is true? In a society where natural family relationships are being destroyed, we, the church, have great opportunity to offer hope by our good behaviour and example. Matthew 5.16, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. When we keep our behaviour pure, when we let our indwelling light shine forth, washing over our marriages, our children, our families and our relationships with others, when we let the excellencies of Christ be seen in our members, 
our conduct will not go unnoticed. The compelling testimony of our faith is borne out by our actions and the reality of the gospel will stand in dramatic contrast to the negative consequences of others' poor choices. Second Peter 2 says, These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals they will be destroyed. As a result, some of those in our midst will glorify God by accepting the gospel that we live before them. Jesus said, if he be lifted up, the whole world will be drawn to him. In John 12:32, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. That should be the final conclusion of any discipleship-based ministry. If the world will not come to the church, then let us take the church to the world through our families and show forth the excellencies of Christ. Just want to uh, quote to you something that I did find on the internet yesterday when I was going over the sermon again. First of all, the role of families in God's plan. As part of our Heavenly Father's plan, we were born into families. He established families to bring us happiness, to help us learn correct principles in a loving atmosphere and to prepare us for eternal life. Parents have the vital responsibility to help their children prepare to return to the Heavenly Father. Parents fulfil this responsibility by teaching their children to follow Jesus Christ and live out his gospel. A home with loving and loyal parents is the setting in which the spiritual and physical needs of children are most effectively met. A Christ-centred home offers adults and children a place of defence against sin, a refuge from the world, healing from emotional and other pain and committed genuine love. What then is the role of the church? The church provides the organisation and means for teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of God's children. It provides the priesthood, authority to administer the ordinances of salvation and exaltation to all who are worthy and willing to accept them. The church should give special attention to individuals who do not presently enjoy the support of a family of strong Christian members. These members may include children and youth whose parents are not members of the church, other individuals in part member families and single parents. These are the challenges that we as a church need to face day by day. They are covenant members of God's eternal family, deeply loved by him. These individuals should be given opportunities for service in the church. The church can provide wholesome sociality and fellowship that these members can find nowhere else. We need to learn the keys to having a healthy family if we want to fend off the attack of the enemy on our families. The church must play an active role in helping and encouraging families as they are the future of our church. Those of us who are older can offer counsel where asked 
We can help out with things like babysitting or playtime or kids club. God has work for us all, no matter what our age is. As I said earlier, we are running a class beginning on the 4th of August and it will run for six weeks, each Monday night for two hours. The age group we will be targeting will essentially be parents of preschool and primary school children. The ideal would be for both parents to attend, so babysitters would be required. If you feel that you can help out with that for that six-week period, please let us know. The class is also applicable for ablaze teachers and scripture teachers. If there are any grandparents or childminders that regularly look after the children, you would also be welcome to come. Next week we'll be looking at these keys to a healthy family and taking these verses as our guide. Can I suggest that you take the time during the week to look up the texts that we will be studying next week? Ephesians 5 and 1 Corinthians 13. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning acknowledging the fact that you created families. You created our individual families, our biological families, but you also created the church family. Lord, we have a responsibility in both areas to extend your kingdom by promoting your word and preaching the gospel and teaching the gospel, but most of all by living it out by the example that we can set by having you in our lives. So, Father, as we just think on these things during this week and prepare for next week, we just pray that you will speak to us, show us where we need to perhaps uh, improve ourselves and our own lives, Show us where we can help others. And Lord, we just ask for your encouragement and your help to us as we think about these things. Father, I pray that you will bless your people here today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.